This is the Fantasy Football Podcast, where we take data and convert it into fantasy success. No bias, no hot takes, only victory. This is the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast, and now your host, Dustin Chandry. Welcome to episode 21 of the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Chandry. Today's episode, we're going to take a look at key observations and trends from week four of the NFL season. Before we get started, I want to remind you, you can find us and interact with us on Twitter. We are at FFAlchemistPod. Now verified, again, it is at FFAlchemistPod. You can also email the show directly at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get into week four observations and trends. Okay, first let's talk about the Thursday night game and what is going on with the Lions backfield situation. Now, through three games where both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs both played, of course Montgomery missed the week three game with the thigh injury, but between those three games, let's take a look at snap participation, total opportunities, and total touchdowns between those two players. Now, Snap participation, week one, David Montgomery 78%, Gibbs 28%. Week two, Montgomery left that game early in the fourth, but it was still pretty close to 50-50. Montgomery was at 45%, Gibbs 48%. And then in week four, where we thought maybe this would get closer to 50-50, instead it reverted back to what we saw in week one. Montgomery had 71% snap participation, Gibbs was at 37%. You look at total opportunities, which is rush plus target. Montgomery in week one led 21 to nine over Gibbs. Week two, closer to 50-50. It was 17 to 16 in favor in favor of Montgomery. In week four, it was 34 opportunities for David Montgomery, Montgomery to only 13 for Jameer Gibbs. And then lastly, total touchdowns. Week one, Montgomery had one, Gibbs zero. Week two, Montgomery had one, Gibbs zero. Week four, Montgomery had three, Gibbs zero. Now, after week one, I noted that Last season, Jamal Williams only had one game above 70% snap share. So far this year, David Montgomery has done that in two out of three eligible games. Now, of course, it is worth noting that the positive game script certainly contributed heavily to David Montgomery's monster week four game. If you look at total snaps and the percentage of rushing attempts per snaps by week, you look at week one, 69 total snaps, week two and three, 64 snaps each, and then week four spiked to 75 snaps, And the percentage of attempts per snaps per week went from 41 in week one, 41 in week two, 39 in week three, and then spiked to 56% in week four, right? So we had more snaps and more rushing attempts uh, as a percentage of total. Now, with all that being said, David Montgomery is the clear running back one on this team from a fantasy standpoint. The expectation that Jameer Gibbs was going to cut into his workload has not materialized at least through the first four weeks and given the success of the team and Montgomery it seems unlikely to happen here in the coming weeks if not at all this season so I think David Montgomery should at least be a running back two potentially even a running back one and should be locked into your starting lineups on a go forward basis. Now, the other player I think we should note from the Thursday night game is Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, who, by the way, is currently available in two-thirds of ESPN leagues ahead of the Week 5 waiver claim. Now, Dobbs has had back-to-back weeks with high target volume. He had 12 targets 
in week three. He had 13 targets in week four. And three of the four fantasy games so far this year, Dobbs has been above 18 points. He is currently a top 20 wide receiver through four weeks. Dobbs also leads all Packers skill players in snaps, routes, and targets. He has three touchdowns through four weeks. Now, it remains to be seen what Christian Watson's full-time impact will be, but Dobbs is yielding solid wide receiver two production. One player I am very concerned with is Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Now, in week four, Ridley only had two targets on 35 routes. That's a 6% rate. And if you started him, you got bailed out by the touchdown. Uh, But this is a very discouraging performance from a fantasy standpoint. Now, Looking week to week, Calvin Ridley's target shares by week has dropped. It has gone from week one, he was at 34%, week two, 20%, week three, 18%, week four, he was at 7%. And his target share over the past three games, weeks two to four, he is third on the team right now in target share at 15%. Christian Kirk is at 29%, and tight end Evan Ingram is at 22%. And then I mentioned how poorly his target per route run rate has been, too. He is consistently running about 35 routes a game, but here's what his four-week trend looks like on a target per route run rate. Week one, 33%. Week two, 24%. Week three, 19%. And then week four, he was at 6%. Even with the big week one performance, Ridley is bordering on wide receiver 40 on the season ranks through four weeks. After his 51-point outing last week, rookie running back Devon Achan followed it up with another 27 fantasy points in week four. He had two more rushing touchdowns, he had over 100 total yards, and he has back-to-back games with a yards per carry above 10. And most importantly, Achan's week four role expanded compared to week three. His snap rate went from 42% to 66%, his route participation went from 39% to 68%, and his running back rush share went from 43% to 53%. This is the first game he has broken 50% in all of those categories. And over the past two games, Achan has 10 opportunities from inside the 10-yard line compared to only two for teammate Raheem Mostert. Now, in week four, Achan still had 12 total opportunities. It was eight carries plus four targets. And the competition for carries will increase when Savan Ahmed and Jeff Wilson return from injury. Achan is still actually available in almost a fifth of ESPN leagues ahead of the week week five waivers. And I think going forward, he continues to be a boom-bust start for me every week, but his ceiling is so high that he should be in your starting lineup. I'm not terribly concerned about James Cook's 40% snap share in week four. Every week prior, James Cook had been at a 60% snap participation, and he barely played in the fourth quarter. Now favorably, James Cook got both of the Bills' goal line carries, and he converted one of them for a touchdown. And early in the year, I think the concern was that Cook was not going to get the goal line work, but he appears to have that role now. Conversely, we expected Cook to be more involved in the passing game. Surprisingly, his target count per week has actually dropped. He's gone from 6 to 4 to 3 to just 1 last week, albeit it was a 48-yard reception. However, to me, this appears to be more of a trade-off for less target volume for more goal line work. Either way, James Cook has scored double-digit fantasy points in every game so far this year and is solidly inside the top 15 at the position. Prior to week four, the Vikings were leading the league in passing attempts, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. 
The Vikings were averaging almost 50 pass attempts a game from weeks one through three, but shockingly only had 19 passing attempts in week four. In fact, the Vikings only had 44 offensive plays in total. And since the start of 2022, the only six times over 668 instances has a team resulted in 44 or fewer plays. This is clearly an outlier performance due to extremely limited volume. Now, Justin Jefferson still got his in this game. He commanded over 40% target per route run rate, but that left very little for the rest of the team, including Jordan Addison, who I did recommend as a start option last week. Jordan Addison is still a player I think is primed for a breakout, but his snap participation, routes, and targets had increased every week from weeks one through three, but he was a complete non-factor in week four. He was back under 60% snap participation, and only and he had no receptions on just one target. I would recommend holding Jordan Addison on your bench if you can. Now let's talk about two things for the Chicago Bears who had a good bounce back uh, performance, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Obviously, they blew the game and are now sitting 0-4. But from a fantasy standpoint, let's talk first about running back Khalil Herbert because I thought going into the year he was going to be the lead back uh, in that running back group. However, the Bears have been so bad through the first three weeks that they've just constantly been in a negative game script all three of those games. However, in week four, they finally had a competitive game, and Khalil Herbert got a running back one worthy workload. Check out these numbers. He had 79% snap participation. He had 58% of the team's rushing attempts, 30 or 63% route participation. He got five targets, which is a 19% target per route run rate, and he finished with over 22 fantasy points. That's running back one worthy. The broader issue really is how often will the Bears be in a competitive situation for an entire game that will allow Khalil Herbert to get that workload. Now, at the wide receiver position, DJ Moore and the rest of this offense seems like it's coming to life, and it's not just garbage garbage time sort of stat filler. In week four, DJ Moore had his highest target count of the season. He caught eight of nine targets for 131 yards and a touchdown. He finished with 27 fantasy points, and DJ Moore is actually currently inside the top 20 at the position. Now, most importantly, here's what actually stands out to me. DJ Moore's air yardage share per week has gone up dramatically. Week one, he was at 12%, week two, 32%, week three, 43%, and week four, he had 50% of the team's air yards. The Bears have favorable matchups in the coming weeks, including Commanders, Vikings, and Raiders. I think DJ Moore should be in your starting lineup, and I also think Khalil Herbert should at least be a flex consideration. Now let's talk about a pair of Houston Texans. First, let's talk about wide receiver Nico Collins. Now, last week in the Don't Be Afraid to Start Him episode, I said both Nico Collins and Tank Dell were flex-worthy options because every week so far this season, one of them has broken out for a very good game, and this week it was Nico Collins. Collins caught seven of nine targets for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Collins continues to be one of the best downfield threats in the league at over 13 yards per target and over 19 yards per catch, both of which are among the league's best. Now, Nico Collins is also currently inside the top 10 at his position through four games. Now, compared to his first two seasons in the league, Nico Collins averaged seven yards per target and 13 yards per reception in both 2021 and 2022, but he has significantly improved those marks under a new coaching staff and rookie C.J. Stroud at quarterback. At the age of 24, Nico Collins has seen his dynasty value skyrocket this month. 
Collins was wide receiver 72 at this time last year, according to Keep Trade Cut, and has increased all the way to wide receiver 28. Now, teammate Damian Pierce is also showing strong signs of life after a concerning first two weeks. Specifically, we'll call out his opportunity share, which is the percentage of Houston's total rushes plus targets by week. Week 1, 21%. Week 2, 26%. Week 3, 31%. And then week 4, he was up to 40% of the team's opportunity share. Now, he was propelled quite a bit by 24 carries, which was his highest number of carries so far this season by a pretty wide margin. His previous week carry count, 11, 15, 14, and was up to 24 in week 4. Earlier in the week, the Rams indicated that running back Kyron Williams' playing time wasn't sustainable over the entire season and that they wanted to limit some of his usage. Now, his snap rate, which had been almost 100% for the last two weeks, it dropped to 72% in week four. However, it didn't matter, as a 72% snap usage is still pretty elite. Williams had his highest number of carries and total yardage on the season, plus two rushing touchdowns. Williams got relief on some early downs from Ronnie Rivers, but he continues to have a near 100% lock on third downs, two-minute drill, and at the goal line. Now, as for the wide receiver group, there were, were reports that Cooper Cup would resume practicing this week because he is eligible to return from injured reserve. Now, the obvious question is, what would this mean, particularly to rookie phenom Puka Nakua, who had another double-digit target game? He caught 9 of 10 targets, 163 yards, and the game-winning touchdown in overtime. He's currently wide receiver four on the season with, with two 30-point fantasy games through four weeks. Now, I don't think Cup's arrival should or will diminish Nakua's volume. You see, Nakua is playing over 90% of snaps. The one player I think that would actually take a hit from a fantasy standpoint is teammate Tutu Atwell, who is consistently getting nine targets a game at 80% snap participation, but has seen his catch rate and yards per target drop every week. Welcome back, Alvin Kamara. He had 21 fantasy points in week four, primarily due to catching 13 of 14 targets. Kamara led all Saints in targets by a very wide margin. Furthermore, Kamara got a target on nearly half of his routes run. He had 14 targets on 30 routes. Now, over the last two seasons, there has been only one instance where a running back had at least 30 routes in a game with a target rate over 45%. Austin Eckler did it in week six last year. But as for Kamara, these figures are likely not sustainable. Last year, Kamara averaged 19 routes per game with a target rate of 26%. He only had two games last year where he barely broke 40% target per route run rate. I think Kamara can be safely started as your running back two every week, but do not expect that target volume and rate to continue throughout the season. DeAndre Swift has back-to-back double-digit fantasy point games while sharing a backfield with Kenneth Gainwell. You see, Swift only had a 54% snap participation in Week 3 and was up slightly to 63% in Week 4. In both of those games, the Eagles are rotating both running backs for entire drives, but Swift is getting getting far more opportunities. You see, he had 18 opportunities on 45 snaps in Week 4 compared to Gainwell, who only had 6 opportunities on 27 snaps. I think Swift can be comfortably started as a running back two flex option going forward, and Gainwell remains a strong handcuffed in the event Swift gets hurt. 
Joe Burrow is the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt at least 150 passes in his team's first four games and average fewer than five yards per attempt. Now, there's three other quarterbacks currently with at least 150 pass attempts. That's Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, and C.J. Stroud. All of them are currently above 1,200 passing yards. Joe Burrow is currently at 728 passing yards. Now, Burrow's calf injury is crushing this entire offense. Because Burrow is basically a statue with no mobility, the Bengals are playing at a league-low slow pace. They are constantly out of shotgun. They are one of the league's worst play-action rates, and they're one of the worst in passing yards per attempt, currently below five yards. And this impacts, of course, their wide receivers, and in particular, Jamar Chase, who was a top-five pick. Now, Jamar Chase's average depth per target by season illustrates this. In 2021, he was at 12.6 yards. Last year, he was at 9.1. This year, he is currently at 7.3. And Chase's yards per route run rate has dropped as well, 2.5, 2.0, 1 1.7. Now, let's do three quick hits here to wrap up today's show. First, let's talk about Chiefs running back, Isaiah Pachenko, who set a new career high in both rushing yards and receiving yards. He had 115 rushing yards and 43 receiving yards against the Jets. Obviously, he had the long rushing touchdown. But most importantly, his opportunity share, which is a percentage of Kansas City's total rushes plus targets by week, has increased quite a bit. He, he's gone from 20% in week one to 23% in week two, 33% in week three, up to 36% in week four, which is a new career high uh, for Isaiah Pachenko. Chargers wide receiver Josh Palmer saw his snap participation jump in week four to 86% following the season-ending knee injury to Mike Williams. Palmer led the team with eight targets, even more than Keenan Allen, and he had a better than 25% target per route run rate. And he only caught three of 77 yards, meaning he had, meaning his expected fantasy points was actually higher than what he produced in week four. Now, by comparison, rookie teammate Quentin Johnson, he barely broke 50% snap participation, and he only had three targets. Palmer remains the clear wide receiver, too, on one of the league's best fantasy offenses. And then lastly, Cowboys tight end Jake Ferguson needs to be a tight end one the rest of the season. He is leading the team in targets. He did it again in week four, and he set a new career high in both targets and receiving yards. He had seven targets and 77 yards receiving. Ferguson continues to get a strong target rate. He was again above 25% uh, in week four. And the issue really has been snap volume. This is the second game this year where Ferguson, along with the rest of the starting offensive unit, got pulled in the second half because the Cowboys were up so big. In competitive games, I think Ferguson will continue to see strong usage and should be considered as a tight end one the rest of the season. So that'll wrap up episode 21 of the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at FFAlchemistPod. We'll be back later this week with recommendations for who you should start ahead of week five. This is Dustin Chandry signing off. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. You can follow the pod on Twitter at FFAlchemistPod or email us at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com.